This week on The Business of Lifting Weights, we sit down with Clifton Harsky, fitness manager and programmer of FitWall's six U.S. locations, to discuss adaptability in the fitness industry. guys this is Dave Thomas and this is Brian Pritz and we're back with episode 20 on the business of lifting weights uh, today we're joined by guest Clifton Harsky hello guys <laughs> um, so we're excited to have Clifton on today um, he's in my opinion as an observer just done a ton in the fitness industry um, and it's very obviously everybody knows it's hard to be successful um, with one career in fitness um, Clifton has at least on the appearance, managed to do so in a number of different ways. Um, so we're excited to talk to him today. Everything from just starting out as a trainer, transitioning to um, now, is it accurate to say running fit walls programming? Yeah, just the fitness uh, management, I guess, would be a good way to put it. Cool. Um, so we'll get into a little bit of fit wall, um, which is where Clifton is at now, um, and really just kind of talk about different phases of his career, um, what's made him successful, and things that he's learned in, um, up to this point, a, a relatively long career in fitness. Cool. Um, so that would be kind of my first question. Um, you know, kind of just piggybacking off of that, you've obviously enjoyed a very diverse, successful career in fitness up to this point. Um, you know, I, I would, I, I quantify that as being adaptable. Um, but why do you think that is? And just kind of talk about, talk about your background with fitness and, um, you know, just some things that you think have made you successful across completely different things in the fitness industry. Cool. Uh, I guess real quick. So you, in addition to running the fitness piece of fit wall, which is a, uh, a boutique studio concept that's m primarily body weight based. It's, uh, we have six locations across the U S so. That's my Monday through Friday day-to-day -day operations mm -hmm. job. But in addition to that, I travel and I certify coaches with Animal Flow, with Kettlebell Athletics. And with Kettlebell athle Athletics, it's primarily a, the continuing education for Equinox trainers. And then also uh, one I just did this last weekend is a, I teach Spartan Group X. Yeah, this is the kind of shit I'm talking about. Does yeah. everything. Teaching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and, and these are all three separate four entities. Yeah. Right? yeah. So f basically, four. there's okay. four ongoing things that I do. The f you know 40 to 100 hours a week is Fitwall. Yeah. Uh, then for Animal Flow, I usually teach a dozen certifications in a year, and that's mm -hmm. a Saturday Sunday gig, and I usually teach a dozen kettlebell certifications in a year and there's just a handful of the spartan uh if it's local if it's west coast I'll, I'll do those because at that point more than half my weekends are eaten up so the wife would probably kill me <laughs> if i wasn't able to stick around a little bit so yeah so what you know talk about i i feel like fitness is a industry where a lot of people get pigeonholed in what they do and get very you know, kind of like defensive in their line and just really, you know, it's like their flag for what they, what they do. Um, you know, why would you say you've been so adaptable to all these different forms of fitness? The, the reason I think I've been fortunate enough to be adaptable is that I look at, uh, because opportunities change, mm -hmm. right? So if a, if a new opportunity presents itself to me, I'll, I'll do my little due diligence and say, is this going to progress me forward 
within this career. Um, whether that be, for me, I, I didn't have an exact goal of owning my own facility. I just knew that I wanted to affect as many different people as I could with what I think makes sense in fitness. And for what I make, what I think makes sense is fitness is I, I spent my first uh, five years in the fitness field being a consumer, which I thought was a great way to start out because I never developed an identity that was one specific thing. I was never the CrossFit guy. I've never been the kettlebell guy. I've never been the yoga guy. And that's allowed me to pick and choose and take elements from everything and say these are all valuable and the most valuable thing is going to be whatever resonates with my clients so mm -hmm. if i can if i can come up with something that's going to resonate with each individual well then i'll be able to reach more people so i think it's just being open to opportunities and not so damn close-minded with how you right. right now see things uh it'll allow you to grow as a as a fitness professional over the long term mm -hmm. i mean it sounds like if i'm kind of translating that like arming yourself with enough knowledge to make it about the client and not what you like and you want to push on people. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's basically a, how good would your carpenter be if he just showed up with a saw? Yeah. Like I got one damn tool and I'm going to just saw everything. <laughs> uh, no, like you hope your carpenter shows up with a, at least a couple of tools. Yeah. And that's, that's the way that I look at it. And whether that be, you know, traveling and teaching certifications uh, and meeting a bunch of different people and learning from the participants and the people I'm teaching from, or uh, having a nine to five job, like being actively involved. And, you know, obviously I ran the first fit wall. So being able to do that as well um, really gives you an appreciation for all the different facets within fitness. You know, I get a lot of, we get a lot of new coaches that come in or, or they'll people that come to my workshops and certifications and they want to know you know, how do I do what you've been doing? Manage manage a studio or get my own studio or travel and teach? And my answer is, is always, I need you to, I want you to go train at like a big box gym and intern at a boutique studio or get a job at a boutique studio and try multiple facets within the industry to see what actually makes sense to you and what mm -hmm. you actually enjoy because that's going to give you a lot of good information about where you should actually move forward. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, when people are starting out, they don't understand that you're going to have to struggle for quite a bit with all that. And I, I love the whole point on you were a consumer first. Um, you know, I think a lot of that too is probably hand in hand with your athletic background. Like you, you used it for your own benefit before you then taught it to others. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what do you think are some qualities that you've seen from all the different things that you've had your hand in that would make somebody successful for a career in fitness? There's, uh, you know, I actually even wrote a couple of these down just because I was, you know, there's some cliches that you could say, and these are probably going to be some of those, but one, you better be able to work well with others or as part of a team. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I see so often people, whether it be at big box gyms or even w within a small knit community or coaching team of five or six in a boutique gym, that just want to badmouth everything operationally or be like, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They'd be so much better if they did this. And I'm like, you know, that, that gym chain you're talking about has a hundred locations <laughs> and is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Clearly <laughs> they know something. And you're maybe what you're saying is right, but maybe also like they're doing some things well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so being able to 
part of that was also being able to listen to your bosses. Um, you know, it, you can learn a lot from people that have made some successes. You may not un understand why they want to do the things that they do, but you got to give it at least a shot. If you're not, if you're not willing to go in and trust the process, then you've never given it a fair opportunity. Mm -hmm. Like you're self-sabotaging that thing. If I tell you, if I'm your boss and I tell you to do something and then I see you not doing it the way that I said to do it, then you didn't actually try it. Mm -hmm. You screwed it up on purpose <laughs> because you didn't think that you would be able to do it. <laughs> so being able to mo be a part of a team, work well with others, um, you know, I think going hand in hand with that is, is the desire to learn or the open-mindedness to be to learn new ideas and new techniques. I don't just mean like training techniques, like, hey, I should be doing a Smolov program versus this, but like, hey, the way that I talk to somebody before a class or after a class or relate to somebody about what their goals are uh, is, is hugely important. You can't just be, you can't just be like, this is, this is what I know. I went to assert last weekend and that's what they said. So this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. There's a, the reason that there's hundreds of successful fitness businesses out there is different things work for different people mm -hmm. because it resonates with them and they're consistent with it. Outside of that, it, man, shit doesn't matter all that much as long as we're not hurting somebody. So uh, be open-minded. And I guess kind of with that, I, we may talk about a little bit later, like the, the programming that is effective to reach more people. But um, I, I always say willing to sell out compromise where you can right compromise as much as you can without feeling dirty but understand that hey you got if you're gonna reach more people like i'd rather reach you know a thousand people doing 90 percent of what i want to than 10 people doing 100 percent of what i want to yeah it's like what chris was saying last week yeah. with uh everyday california um when he was like yes i want the brand to stay cool but cooler is the ability that i can buy a house right it's like that fine line between, of course, you want to keep your core principles and what you know about training and do things that you feel are right. But I just think so many people get stuck in kind of their own bullshit of, you know, this is how they think they should be done and there's no compromises and they just cost themselves so many potential clients or people they can work with. Yeah, and I think the fitness industry in general has a lot of those people. Um, and I think that's like one of the, big problems with most gyms holding themselves back is they're unwilling to do the things or change themselves for yeah. the better to make them grow past that. You know, we always talk about that 200 member mark. Um, I think it's the people that are able to adapt and kind of see what's going on are those ones that are able to elevate themselves to the really successful status. Yeah. And I love what Clifton said about open-mindedness and the ability to just talk to people. Yeah. Um, it's like you're, you know, Pritz came in with his background as a you know, professional athlete and somebody who used fitness as a consumer, but you never were just like, you know, your perspective was always, you know, this is dumbing it down, but it's like, you don't give a shit about the X's and O's. Like, how can this translate to somebody coming in who wants to get help? Like right. there needs to be a way to communicate it and get this person to buy into it. Otherwise, like who cares about five times three at 80% and you know, all, right. all that stuff. Yeah. And I actually loved how, um, you know, we talked about being a consumer. I think that's part of the reason why we became successful is because we both were out there before we started this and we didn't like what was out there at the time. And so that made motivated us to then say, hey, this can be done a lot better. Um, and I think 
if you are somebody that runs a gym and you maybe need some ideas or need some guidance, go check out some other gyms, go drop in, go see what other people are doing. Learn, like you said, learn from other people. You, even if you are the most successful gym out there, you can still learn things from yeah. other gyms, even, even, even other gyms that might not be as successful as you. hundred percent. I'm uh, at the, like I, I bought a month at the YMCA in Mission Valley so I can do swimming. Mm -hmm. I've been there twice and both times I've been there, there's been like three light bulbs that have gone off. Really? Like, Shit. We got to do this. Yeah. It's just like simple stuff that isn't going to be some major breakthrough, but it's something that can add a little bit of a better element to what you're doing right. or, um, just something that's so obvious, but you're in your own facility all day, every day that you get tunnel vision. So just like stepping away from that and going in somewhere that's not even remotely similar to what you're doing. So we're going to get swimming pools. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to build a, we should get one of those, uh, have you seen what are they, they're like, Oh, I know. They're the lap pools that yeah. are just hot tubs. Yeah, yeah the one with the current. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's the treadmill of pools. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's been me and the 75-year-old ladies in there the past two days just having a nice swim. It's been awesome. <laughs> That's cool. Armband guy or like? Well, no, I, I'm like, I'm trying to, uh, first of all, like I can barely swim. Like, I, I'm in there just chopping away at the water. Um, so that's like first, first things first, like the ability to not drown myself yep. while I'm in there. Um, I was actually swimming with a guy today who was easily 50 and we're in opposing lanes doing the same brushstroke. And like, I, I exhausted myself <laughs> to make sure that the guy didn't pass me because, and he was just not trying at all. Yeah. He I, was probably not yeah. paying attention. He's just gliding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that you mentioned Clifton that I thought was, um, very important and it's, it's one thing that we've always been relatively bad at. Um, you talked about going to certifications and meeting people and kind of creating relationships in the industry. Um, you've been very successful at creating new opportunities for yourself through relationship networking. Um, what are some examples where that type of meeting somebody that you might consider is just happenstance, turns out to be a big opportunity or, or ways, where, ways where just proper networking has really advanced your career? Well, if I, if I can say something about networking first, um, there's a couple of things. When people enter arenas where it's a networking opportunity, I think they got to adopt a different mentality. And what I mean is this. If you enter into a networking opportunity or a social gathering or uh, a certification or anywhere, if you're going in thinking, like, I want to find people that I can use to advance me, that's a pretty predatory vision and I'm mm -hmm. going in thinking I just need to leave a good impression on mm -hmm. everybody that I meet. Mm -hmm. I need to fool them to think that I'm smart <laughs> enough <laughs> to to do business with potentially in the future and yeah. I don't even know what way. Right. But I just want to make sure that I'm a we know that the fitness profession is relatively small and people know each other. So I've been fortunate enough to have a a decent reputation uh and it's given me opportunities. So as far as uh, examples, you know, when I, when I uh, decided to enter fitness full time, I just went to five or six different certifications in the same year, CrossFit, RKC, ACE, MoveNat, uh, Sandbag, and the other one, they don't exist anymore or they changed. It was when I was interning at Todd Durkin's Fitness Quest 10. Yeah. It was called Under Armour Combine 360. Oh, really? And now I think it's like it's Ignite awful. 360 or something like this. Okay. Anyway, th it was it was going to be like a CrossFit knockoff, and it mm -hmm. just didn't take, and so it's evolved and it's 
puttering ar- along, I think. Yeah. Hopefully I don't irritate anybody by saying that. That's <laughs> bad networking right there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> So in that year, at every one of those events, I made acquaintances and friends that at each of them that I've done business with since then mm-hmm. in one way or another, whether that be filling certifications for me or calling and asking them for recommendations of good coaches. Um, but it's as simple as trying to meet quality individuals that, I mean, this podcast would be an example of that. Like I was just thinking that, right? Like honestly, I, what was it? Five, six years ago that yeah. I visited you in the crown point mm-hmm. or right, mission, beach, mission yeah. beach location. And I, my uh, girlfriend at the time, yeah. right? I think we just got an acai and we're like, you know what? Yeah, I Amy. need to go over there because I talked to this guy online and he's hilarious. So, uh, let's go say what's up. Um, and just, you know, keeping in contact with people that are close enough to you that you uh, geographically mm-hmm. for one, because there's not that many online opportunities from right. San Diego to New York, but uh, geographically and also that align with how you do things. Uh, you don't try to force it with somebody that doesn't necessarily, you don't see eye to eye with. Um, but mostly it comes down to just understanding that everything you do is an impression on somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- that's where I see other people screw up is they'll, it's so many, it's so funny within the certification subset of fitness, how many people are at, at ends with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got tribes of, world. Yeah, <laughs> man, tribes of kettlebell communities. Like, no, we swing with straight arms. No, you swing with bent arms. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, guys, we can swing either way. <laughs> yeah. That's like the, just the amount of different kettlebell backgrounds of people that come in of how they were taught and, it's like, if you can hinge, I don't give a shit about the rest. Like, <laughs> right. Like, what are our important things here? Yeah. Um, so w- within the networking, really, that's that's about it. It's just never know. W- I mean, that's part of the hand-in-hand hand with the adaptable. Honestly, it's like you never know when your circumstances are going to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were saying before before the, um, before we started recording, you know, one of the, the barometer for me with whatever I'm doing professionally is am I moving forward? Mm-hmm. And that's a fairly vague thing, but you know it could be as simple as I'm satisfied with what I'm doing and I'm saving money. That's moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saving money, but I'm learning a crap load. That's moving forward. Uh, I'm not saving money. I'm not learning much, but I'm really happy and I have a this mystical life balance. That may not be moving forward, but you know for enough time that mm-hmm. might be great. Um, it might be what you need in life at that moment. So, but now if, if you're out of balance and like you, you're not learning and you're not saving money and you're not enjoying yourself, that's the time to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't think people need to be ecstatic at every moment of their working career because it is a job. Like sometimes it's going to feel like a job, um, but you better, you better know when to te- move and adjust kind of tailed off and where the hell I was thinking. No, I like that a lot. Um, I I, I like the vague parameters of it because it's leaving that openness to interpretation allows you to realize that there's more ways to advance yourself forward than just how much money am I making? Um, Like if you're advancing forward in your knowledge, like, okay, maybe your, your income is taking a back seat, but that is, I mean, everybody knows how much dividends are returned to you with education. So there's always ways that you can be moving forward. So keeping that kind of subjective feel to it. And it's very different for every individual. Mm -hmm. Something that could be moving you forward 
may not be the same for me. Yeah, and I know we have a lot of just coaches that listen to this as opposed to people that are running facilities right. who, you know, if you're running a facility, obviously you're much more focused on the bottom line because right. you have bills. But coaches listening, I think that's really good stuff to just spread yourself out and what you consider progress. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, those, those coaches listening, uh, if you spent your day worrying – or not worrying, but like really thinking like you ran the place and trying to absorb all the information and education you could as though you were running the facility that you work in, that would be one hell of an education for you instead of just worrying about what you're getting paid for that class. Because most people have aspirations maybe of not just being a coach at a facility. So instead of just kind of like feeling like you're not doing what you want to do, on the day-to-day -day because you're just coaching, understand that that is a potential uh, learning opportunity for you to get to where you want to go. And it's it's so funny to watch. It's not funny. It's kind of sad to watch people be bitter because they're not where they want to be. Right. I'm like, yeah, but you're squandering every moment of every day because you're sitting there being bitter that you're not where you want to be instead of figuring out what is happening around you that could get you to where you want to be. And most of the time you have a boss that is accessible that you can learn from. You know, if they're doing a job that you want to do or maybe they're running the facility, that's a free education to go learn about running a facility, exactly what you said. You know, that's something you don't have to pay for. Just go talk to them, start learning the processes, start learning what they do. And I think eventually you can obviously learn what they do, but also find ways that you can make things better so that once you progress to that next step in your career, you're good to go. Yep. Yeah. Or, I mean if you make it better for where you're at, you suddenly become fairly invaluable and you may become, find yourself with a, a, a better position, a, yeah. a more well compensated position. Um, you might even just have the satisfaction of, of watching like the, what effects you made for everything getting better. And yeah. if you don't get like rewarded for it at all, then you, you know, like, yeah, hey, you probably should move somewhere else. Like <laughs> if you're busting your ass and it doesn't work out, right, like, yeah, right. go somewhere else. But Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I can say as, as somebody on the opposite of that role as like in management or whatever you want to say, I, I can't tell you how much value I place on somebody that is has active interest in just the little things that are more than just showing up, coaching, clocking in, clocking out. All just the little aspects of running a gym, you know, they, they put in attention to detail on just everything from picking stuff up that's around the gym to asking certain questions about programming for their own knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, that stuff just goes such a long way to leaving a good impression for people that you work for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, this kind of reminds me of the restaurant industry because my fiance is in the, the, she's a bartender and there's a lot of parallels to restaurants and gyms and any business. Service, and man. It's all, all the same. Yeah. It's the all the day. same stuff. Um, and all of the employees constantly talk about how much they don't like the schedule and that they're, you know, it's, it's dumb in the sense that there's some hours they're just wasting their time they're standing behind the bar doing literally nothing and there's like four of them there and I was talking to my fiance about it and I was like you know what would make you stand above every other person there is make a schedule that you think is more efficient show them how much money they would save by better staffing and show how much happier your employees would be by implementing the schedule and then bring that to them. Give them a solution. Don't just bitch about what's wrong with it. Provide a solution and then therefore 
they can either implement it or maybe they don't, but either way, like you provide a benefit to your boss. Right. Um, and I think if it is something that's implemented, like you're now the go-to person for making things better. I think that's like a huge, huge portion of any business, any employee, any boss, like just all that stuff working together. Yeah. I mean, if any boss like tells somebody to fuck off for that, like right. that's just, okay. At least, you know, you need to go work somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Even if they don't implement it, like you said, like if somebody takes that kind of initiative, then they should at least be commended for that. Yeah. Um, so you're now into your role at Fitwall. So why don't you talk a little bit about just what you guys do um, and from a, from a whatever you were doing before perspective, what made you really want to get involved with it and kind of what your vision uh, for, the, for the company is? Cool. So, so Fitwall, like I said earlier, uh, so I always kind of get funny saying a boutique studio fitness <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it's kind of where we fit in you know we're smaller than a a uh i guess what relates most to people is like a crossfit box mm -hmm. or a uh a weightlifting gym where it's a big open space but you expect rubber and chalk whereas when you hear boutique you expect like what we deliver is like lavender and mint infused <laughs> towels at the yeah. end of your workout to wipe your face <laughs> And it's, uh, so you can see, like, it's, we obviously probably have two different mm -hmm. clienteles. Um, but it's a, it's primarily a body weight driven in interval based workout. I, I don't like saying high intensity because it could be, or it couldn't be depending on what your need is. Um, but we pr predominantly are, are teaching people to use their bodies better. Mm -hmm. We have select resistance tools and over time we'll introduce other tools to keep the workouts fresh. Um, they're 40 minute classes and they in involve quite a bit of technology, uh, implemented into the classroom to enhance the experience from the users and to improve the ability of the coaches to deliver a more hands-on coaching experience. So my, my, my vision, my goal would be that we are delivering the most akin to a private coaching experience in the fun atmosphere of a group fitness class with the best programming you can possibly do in the tastiest package possible. So what I, my goal is for that fit wall is the uh, gummy vitamin of fitness. <laughs> We're going to give you all the stability, mobility, anti-rotation, hinging, all the, all the things that you need, but you don't even know you got it. You just were like, man, that was some tasty, tasty class. <laughs> and, uh, so that's my goal and, yeah. and to continually innovate and improve with what we can do, uh, when we can do it. And I think we're doing a really good job. In fact, like there's certain times and I might just be thinking that we're too damn cool, but there's a lot of ways I think we're ahead of the curve in a lot. You know, we're, uh, similar to you guys, we're not trying just to beat the crap out of people because that's sort of in vogue mm -hmm. with, all the different boot camps and different things that are out there. It's just like, just beat the hell out of them because then you sweat hard. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we don't shy away from making people work hard. Right. So it's not the other end of the spectrum where we're like, got kids gloves and we're just tickling people. During it's the balance. Workout. What do you know? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Hey, you know what? Like I, for the people that are hurt and they shouldn't be going hard, you yeah. know, they, they get the kids gloves. And then for the people that are kind of ass kickers, well, we kicked their ass a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's looking at what tools can we implement? that fit in six different studios that are in six different cities across the U S. Um, 
and how do we how do we make it so that our product across such a large geographic region and with multiple people that I won't get to work with on a day-to-day -day basis are still getting the same quality experience. Yeah. So that's a question that I would love for you to talk about is, you know, you guys are growing your locations. Um, it's how um, quality control would obviously be just the generic way to put it. But, you know, I'm thinking of people listening to this, most of the people, it's going to be coaches and people that might own a single gym who, like us, when we started, we weren't thinking, how can we open a second one? Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't care about that. We wanted to stay in business next month and right. then the next year. Um, and there's good and there's bad to that. It enables you to focus purely on providing the most quality experience that you can. But it also really sets you up for difficulties when down the line you have to make changes to accommodate a larger group. So, you know, somebody who kind of is involved in a, um, a, a gym that is growing and has multiple locations, you know, what are, some, what are some areas that you can talk about as far as whether facilities, when should they plan to scale? Um, how does that all fit in? Should they be thinking scaling from day one? Is it something that... They should be thinking about only at a certain point. What, what are some ways that folks can kind of better think about scaling their business and getting systems in place to, to grow to bigger? I think no matter what, you should, your first location, get it humming and nailing it before you commit to opening a second. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you can't start thinking about your second and where it would go and what potential things may need to change as a result. But if you open up a second or a third or you open multiple like one you got some big balls on you uh <laughs> and like good luck with that yeah. <laughs> but uh two you know you may not even know that you're doing it as well as you could right. at that point right so I, I i would tell people and you know I, we can say that with fitwall obviously we have six now if we could go back to the first year i would have delayed i would have been more vocal in delaying our second location by another six to eight months. Why is that? Just because there were certain systematic things that we did not have 100% in place. We actually changed, uh, we changed our pricing scheme maybe two months after the second location opened because our first location had only been open for six months. And that's a pain in the ass to change your, your entire pricing scheme because that has trickled down on what's your trial period, how do you do your uh, sales? What do you tell the people that have been paying X amount? Can you reach back out to the people that thought you were too expensive to begin with? Um, you have some people on memberships that now you don't even offer anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's just a, a we would have, if we had waited six months, we would have found out like, oh yeah, these things that we changed, they do work better. So mm -hmm. let's just launch with that. And it doesn't, it wouldn't be as confusing. And, and not just for the consumer, but for also for your staff. Um, you know, they, they, we would have known a number of different things. Uh, when we opened Solana Beach, we opened it with our, our tech platform 1.0, uh, which, you know, we use videos and heart rate monitoring in the classes to help the coaching experience. And when we opened, we didn't have that. And then four weeks later, we changed it. Mm -hmm. So the first five weeks, the soft opening in the first four weeks, people came in and they saw the older version. But if we had just waited another month, we would have had the newer, better version. So now we have to convince them to come back in, and mm -hmm. that's harder than the initial time, of course. Um, 
So anyway, it, spending enough time feeling very confident with your first location um, and getting it busy, and especially like, hey, if you're if you're nailing it and you're busy, like you're making money, so you're not necessarily in a hurry right. to get that second location. I guess that's the best way to put it. Don't be in a hurry to expand. Mm -hmm. Expand when the time is right. Right. You know, when you've got the location that makes sense, instead of like. Well, this one looks like it's probably okay, and I really want a second one, so let's get in there and yeah. then you find out that the plumbing sucks or the parking sucks or whatever it is. Um, so having a little patience there. Yeah, and I, we know it's something that we constantly go back and forth on. We're in the process of looking for a spot for a third location, and I, I completely agree with what you said about you know making sure everything is dialed in and waiting six months would have been a better choice. One of the things that I get kind of caught up in is just the quicksand of almost over doing that and you know when is enough to be able to grow to a second location what can we figure out at location two and three that isn't going to be a disaster to unwind so it's that balance of you know your core principles being there you know pricing obviously one of those um, but there's just there's just so much to always constantly be is this the right thing to do for to take this into a third location? Right. Um, like we're obviously still looking at how we onboard people five years, five and a half years later. Right. Um, look, quick question: Where were your first two locations? So our our first location, which we actually uh, we dubbed it the uh, the labs, Fitwell La Jolla. Okay. So Fitwell La Jolla was our was our laboratory mm -hmm. because it was the first spot that this concept ever was and. Then our second location would be Fitwall Solana Beach, okay. and then nine months later we opened, or ten months later we opened Fitwall Newport Beach. Okay. So when the La Jolla Labs, uh, in that process, in that time frame, I should say, we built our corporate studio, uh, corporate headquarters where all uh, all us corporate people live, uh, in Irvine. So for us to have the labs in La Jolla while our corporate was in Irvine and the studio was in Irv and Newport Beach. And we're in Solana Beach as well. When the opportunity, when the lease came up in La Jolla, we were just like, you know what? We can move some of our employees. Uh, while it was doing okay, it wasn't killing it. Mm -hmm. So we didn't want to just keep it there, not putting our best foot forward. So what I mean by labs is I actually, uh, we had different tools and did changes in the programming and the tech in that studio first before we put them in our other mm -hmm. two studios. Okay. So, you know, each month it was like, hey, all right, I need you guys to try this, this, and this, and let's see how it works. And then, it, so it was awesome for me because for a year I had two things going on to where I could compare what went over better. Mm -hmm. And then we just adopted that style yeah. in the other in the other places, which was pretty neat. Um, for sure. So... So back to the, the, the systems is I would say system out everything as best as yeah. possible, understanding that you just know that there's going to have to be small changes from location to location. Um, it could be as simple as like when I asked you which of your two spots are, are busier and I thought maybe it would be one answer mm -hmm. and then it ends up being the other. And is it because of parking? Is it because of, uh, you know, there's, a multitude of factors right. um, you don't know until you're running it mm -hmm. <laughs> you know I we could open a, a new spot and you think it's gonna be slower than the others because it doesn't necessarily have like an anchor 
uh, business in the center, and then all of a sudden it just catches fire, and you're, you're yeah. Like, well, that one's busy. Weird. Crowds just move. It's like a, an, you're, it's just an organism that you never really know what's going to happen. Like when we opened the downtown PB one, um, it was slow to take because you know it was new and holy shit, something that's new people freak out about. Yep. And for the longest time, morning classes here, 6 a.m., constant wait list, much more popular. And now over the last few months, that's now occurring at PB. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why is that occurring? Like, I have theories. Ultimately, I have absolutely no idea. Right. I just know that now that morning class is bigger. And there's just the ability to make small changes while also unifying your concepts is something I completely agree with. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be the same, you know, opening up. If we open up our third spot in North County, we now have a clientele that's going to be five to seven years older. Yep. So there's definitely some modifications that we're going to have to make to that where it's the same Performance 360, but just slightly different. And having that kind of adaptability to be able to take things to certain locations. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that for you guys, too. Is it, you know, where you open up? do you set yourself up to be able to keep all that stuff relatively the same based on where you open or do you have that adaptability based on different neighborhoods? So for us, I mean, we are the probably the most systemized gr group training sessions that you could get simply because the, from a, from the fitness aspect, every second of the workout is mapped out right. ahead of time. Like, and it's easy to recreate that because of the fact that coaches are coaching from the big screen that has the exercise name and video playing. It says, up next is this in 36 seconds. You have this long to coach the movement. The music, we built our own app that syncs the music with the workout. So when you're supposed to coach, the music gets quieter. That way we don't have mics because I think mics are dumb. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so... Uh, Everything t is timed out to the second. So if you're off and or doing a different exercise, someone's going to call you out. Mm -hmm. They're going to be like, hey, the video shows something else. So I know every studio is doing what they're supposed to be mm -hmm. doing. Otherwise, I get emails at corporate. Um, so that makes me sleep well at night. I know that you know, it, it's the bane of uh, CrossFit's existence is that they could have 500 studios and 450 of them doing great things, but 50 boneheads yeah. putting up YouTube videos of stupid ideas. Right. And now you have a perception versus reality mm -hmm. problem. Um, so I know that the fitness is going to make sense from place to place. I know that the music isn't, someone's not going to be playing Slayer uh, in, <laughs> in like a retirement community during the <laughs> workout. Right. That's, that just wouldn't make that much sense. <laughs> I know that our build out is going to be exactly the same. So the look, the feel is going to be the same. The thing that's hardest is the people that work there to embody the same culture feel. Um, yeah. What are some of your biggest challenges with just, you know, obviously the things you've described, I could, you know, very clearly result in a very systemized, professional, great workout. What are your challenges in finding people that, you know, you guys are doing a very new style of group workout. What are some of your challenges in finding, maining, maintaining, training people and keeping them? So the biggest challenge that we have, and, and we've set up, we've set up our own corporate systems to, to get around this or ideas and whether it's perfect is up for debate, of course. Um, I look for a young 
coach that doesn't have a lot of experience because it means we can indoctrinate them into our methodologies and our system. Um, they also probably aren't opinionated enough yet to want to change everything. So they're open to kind of having everything laid out for them. So the challenge would be if I'm if I have a good applicant but they're ed well educated and aspirational, they don't have much to do from a uh, hey I'm not coming up with any workout. Yeah, I got to keep people's form well, but hey, we pick no, we pick mostly things that people aren't going to hurt themselves, and we know that they're going to improve over the month. So, kind of keeping them engaged. Yeah, so really just keeping them engaged. So the way that we we get around that is um, we offer private training and and what we call focus training, which is semi custom semi private programs. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, you do three of our group classes, it's everything you need, but if there's anything you want to focus on, like a deadlift or you have an injury, we'll do the focus training. And that's where our coaches get to write uh, true programs for clients. Over. Yeah. Yep. And so, and I want to, you know, we want to reward them for that. I want them doing that. Um, and that's where there's a tough balance to be struck where you want to involve people and have them feel engaged because if they feel engaged and they truly are engaged, uh, they have more ownership over everything. And better ownership means better experience because they're they're stoked to be there. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they're just showing up and like reading and then folding some towels and doing some other things, like it's, it's, it's not as easy to keep them engaged. So um, fortunately for us, we run with such small staffing, five or six coaches total, including the manager and uh, head coach, that we're able to find good people first that deliver an exciting class second. Uh, and then third, as, as weird as it may sound, but from a scaling opportunity, it makes sense. Uh, they don't have to be the most technically gifted coaches with the I most amount of knowledge. I don't think that sounds weird at all. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Mm -hmm. Which is nice because now I'm like, hey, check it out. Like I'm getting somebody that just got their ACE group training certification. And all I need you to do is be able to deliver a fantastic class, tell people, like buy into what we're doing, and they will, uh, because they'll see the results that people get. And then when you're selling people, just explain to them how their life is going to be better if they do this and mm -hmm. like, and authentically believe it. And it's a easier sell. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we have, so my preface with this is all of our coaches are great coaches. They all go to USA weightlifting certifications. Some of them powerlifting certifications, very knowledgeable people. However, that is after the fact that we hire them. Right. So, you know, I, I just, I want to completely support everything that you're saying with that, as far as what you guys are doing at Fitwell at the hiring process, because the person is so much more important than the education. Yep. And, you know, I would contend that maybe 1% of the population needs somebody that is this complete, true master of the coaching craft, a master Olympic weightlifting coach that is coaching Olympians. Right. Like the everyday population does not need that. Yep. And that's a real, maybe a tough pill for some folks to swallow that you just don't need that. But to have the right person that actually really cares who is going to teach you 95% of the skills needed to be incredibly successful, you know, give me that over somebody that is much less engaging as a person and much less bought in and much less a believer of it who's on the 100% yeah. spectrum of things. And 
I think it, it all just, you know, I could, I could go on a semi rant about <laughs> certifications in general and the overvaluing of them in the fitness industry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think when facilities hire, like look for people that are believers in what you do, that are stoked on it, that are going to come in and be excited to coach other people on a kettlebell swing and just really get behind it and are a, a, a complete supporter of what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, my, my big rules, if you want to call them rules, I'm like, Hey, we got to keep it fun and we got to keep it safe. Yeah. Why do people stop coming to a gym? They get hurt or they get bored. Right. And all right. So keeping it safe should be easy v- minus like some freak things like, mm-hmm. Hey, someone twists an ankle on jumping jacks. Like, what are you going to do there? You know? <laughs> like, that happens. <laughs> yeah. It happens. And you know, that that's my pop fitness crowd coming yeah. in. Right. You know, that, uh, we get some fairly deconditioned people coming in yeah. and we got to actually catch them and be like, I don't think you should do jumping jacks. You can do the one, two foot shuffle and wave your hand overhead. Yeah. But telling someone that they're so unfit that they can't do a jumping jack <laughs> is a tough thing for them to hear. Yeah, that's tough. And uh, so you don't want to not let them do the jumping jack, but you're looking at them like, I really don't know if you should do this. <laughs> yeah. What's your balance on that? Like, all jokes aside from, you know, wanting to appease the client to do the things they want to do, but also marrying the, the the ethical programming side of it to kind of find that blend that keeps people, progresses them, but also you're able to say, hey, wait a minute, don't do this. So yeah, that's, a, that's a tough thing for a lot of places. It is really tough. And so for us, we, because every exercise is playing on a video on the screen, and every exercise has a description online that says, here's the regression, here's the progression, here are the, exercise, uh, the injuries that may provide a problem for somebody performing this safely. So each month, we only have seven workouts. Every day of the week is a different workout. The coaches know that they'll repeat the Monday workout for the entire month. So you as a client, if you come in on Monday, you should theoretically get better Monday to the next Monday to the next Monday. And as a coach, it means that you have a grand total of maybe 100 exercises in a month that you need to be delivering with success. Mm -hmm. So that makes it relatively easy um, because you're coaching the same class for the whole day. You know what the regressions are going to be, what the progressions are going to be. So when I get that new client, that's their first day, we have a set list of questions that we ask them. It's first... uh, do you have any injuries, ouchies, or boo-boos? <laughs> <laughs> the reason I, I say that because I don't want to scare the hell out of them. No, I, I love just that. say injuries. I absolutely love that. Like ouchies yeah. and boo-boos also, you know, it may not be an injury, but they may have stubbed a toe and they can't run up and down the wall today. Yeah. yeah. So I need to know that. Um, and it keeps it light and fun. Exactly. Yeah. I, I know they're coming in scared. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want to make sure that they don't feel scared. Yeah. Uh, we, we promise we're going to take care of them, but they don't know that yet. Um, and then, then it's what have you been working out within the last month consistently? Because people will tell you what, they, what they've worked out in the past, but they haven't worked out for three months. And we know for the most part people lie about how active they are right. because for some reason they want to impress us. Right, right. Um, so then after that, regardless of what they say, the, the comment from us is, cool, on day one, uh, we encourage you to go easier than you think you should because – we actually don't think that it's cool to crush people. Uh, like, it won't make me feel good about myself if tomorrow you can barely sit down. All right. Uh, so I would much rather you go too easy this time and come back for another class and go harder. Uh, but 
don't go too hard today. Mm -hmm. Sound good? And most of them are like, yes, thank you. Yeah, exactly. They just need an excuse to not have to kill themselves. The ones that say, I go to Barry's four days a week and I go to Orange Theory the other four days of the week and I'm doing my math, like, that's eight days. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, them, I'm like, hey, normally I say you should go easy and I still think that's the case, but you strike me as someone that might want to go hard. Yeah. And since you don't have any injuries. You strike me as a smidge of an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. You really think that you're athletic and we're about to find out whether or not you are. Um, I let them go hard because that's what their desire is. Mm -hmm. So the questions are set up specific. And then we we preview a couple of the the exercises that they're going to do for the day. I know that every workout I put in two relatively complicated exercises. So things are going to need coordination Mm -hmm. um so we show them those in the hopes that they are more successful within their first class Mm -hmm. and i think somebody's uh self-perceived success in that first class is one of the biggest uh determinants of whether or not they're going to sign up absolutely man it's like i I just like i want to once again like reinforce and support that opinion because in in our own words, we do the exact same thing at Performance 360 with, you know, hey, we have this left-hand side of the board that we want you to follow. You're going to do things a little differently. It's no indication of your capability. We just don't want to floor you in this in this workout. And I totally agree. I think people want that. I think very rare is the person that comes in who can absolutely just destroy the workout and, and should. Mm-hmm. Those people typically aren't shopping for new gyms. Right. So – do everything you can to let the person feel, of course, welcomed by being nice to them, but also setting that expectation that this workout is not any type of test. It's just, here's a taste of, of what we're about, and you can see kind of what we're doing here. Right. And it doesn't need to be just an onslaught. And I, I agree. I think that is what kind of people want when they're trying a class and how they best respond as far as taking the next step towards membership. Now, what we're just because I'm geeked out by this, I have a 2017 hope that we will be able to mark a client as uh, new or returning to exercise or normal exerciser. And based on that, the video that plays on their personal iPad at their personal station would play a different video for certain exercises. For instance, if someone hasn't worked out in a, two months and they're an adult, I'm not. I, I'm reticent to give them jumping drills. Mm-hmm. I would rather, in, if there's jump squats, they do regular squats. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, it would automatically change the video for them. And on our big screen that the main coach coaches from, just helping with my make sure that it's the same at every studio, there'd be a picture-in-picture picture on the exercises when someone needs to have the easier version. So it's pretty cool uh, that if... if I mean, we have the technology. We should be able to build it. Uh, It's just a matter of do we have the time to build it while we're doing other things first. For now, I know my coaches are totally capable of every exercise. We Almost every exercise we do, we present here's the version and here's the other version. And the way that we do things uh, is actually we we mostly scale up. So what I mean is the common exercise is the basic one, and then we go to the two or three ass kickers in class and be mm-hmm. like, hey, you should jump on this one. Right, because you want people to feel like they're moving up, not being told to go backwards. Yeah, it's just it's a funny little thing, the, the whole word scale, and this is, like, I start to feel like everyone should get a, like a trophy award when I say <laughs> this, but uh, 
Like, I don't want people feeling like they're losers because of the fact that they had to do the scaled version right. every time. I don't even like the term regression. You know, it's just right. like, no, just do the appropriate exercise. Yeah, I mean, like when we were writing those up on the board, it was like regression, al- alternative. Like, erase that. Like, oh, I hate that too. Like, exact same thing. You want to... You want people to feel as if they're productive and not this pile of mush while yeah. also letting them know like, hey, like you're, you're not there yet to be able to do this. So it's really difficult to combine those two things. But I think that's where so many gyms leave business and membership on the table is not addressing that. Right. And just being like, this is workout, this is scaled, you're left or you're right. And that's that. Or not even scaling. Yeah. Saying or not, everybody's or not even doing scaling. this. Yeah. And if you're not just taking that hypersensitive, extremely proactive approach in really targeting every single person in the class, then that's just a sure, that's just basically a guaranteed way to remain in the field of average gems doing mm-hmm. average things and not really connecting with many people yeah, yeah. because all this stuff is not new anymore. There's no more shock value of, you know, for our end of things, doing deadlifts in the workout group fitness for you. It's not a new concept. People are doing everything that all three of us are doing right here at, at the end of the day. Right. And it's how you take care of, of those people on an emotional level and what they're doing and in their goals and just letting them know that every single aspect of what they're about to do has been thought out is, is, custom for them despite the fact it's on a whiteboard for for many people yeah it's a good point a lot of you know a lot of people probably think coming into a gym it's all physical but that's not the case at all a lot of it is mental Mm -hmm. you know how they're treated um how they feel after the workout all the stuff that is not physical which is what you would not not expect people come coming to a gym for Uh, but i think that's the stuff that separates the good gyms from the bad gyms yeah, I definitely, you know, it's, it's, uh, so let's, let's talk about, or let's just think, uh, tribal communities. And I don't know that much about tribal communities, so I'm a bit of an asshole for even saying this, right? But <laughs> like, traditionally, you're going to have dance or games that are played within some sort of tribe, right? So for us as adults, it's better now than I think it maybe ever has with all the adult sporting leagues. But this is opportunities for us to connect with other people. And, there, with with the advent of technology, there's less and less social gatherings that happen. Yeah. And the gym is less about, for most people, it's less about an actual performance-enhancing experience, and it's more about a social opportunity. Mm-hmm. So all the arguments, we t- I mean, we touched on it, but all the arguments about what is a perfect program don't matter if they're not showing up. I can write you a perfect program, and if you don't do it, it's useless. I don't want to interrupt Clifton, but I'm nodding my head in just complete agreement right now. <laughs> yeah. I'd like, you know, fun and safe. Hey, is it fun and safe? And then each exercise, every cert I teach, I say, just do two things for me. Make sure it's safe and it's accomplishing the goal that you are hoping to accomplish, the main goal that you're hoping to accomplish. So like the swing example, you're like, if they're, if they're hinging correctly, mm-hmm. then we're good. We can tweak it and adjust some things after that, but as you know, as long as they're hinging correctly, I'm good with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you know, for me, one of the things I would just offer up as advice to any personal trainer or group coach that gets paid for converting people, uh, don't overcoach. Mm-hmm. Like, make sure it's safe, make sure they feel successful, and you're good to go because they can get better over time. But if you spent the entire first class just being like, "No, that's wrong. No, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Do this. 
nope, that looks like mm-hmm. shit. Do this. Like that's a that's a good way that they'll never come back. <laughs> yeah, it's like when we train when we train our staff on the that first class. It's get them at a weight that's completely safe and the movements that are safe, <clears throat> and then the check ends are great job. Keep it up. Yep. Do you have any questions? Like not breaking down the movement so that they're not moving for five minutes at a time. Right. Just get them moving. Get them having a good time as far as a workout is concerned and just get them into a state where they're productive and they're progressing, but they're not just at a dead stop the whole time because you feel the need to tweak every single thing that they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, one of our friends moved to, uh, I forget where it was, went went to a, a gym on the other side of the country and, uh, he was doing a movement and it was his first class there. And all he heard was the coach on the other side of the room yelling at him, no rep. (laughs) <laughs> no rep <laughs> across the room and it's like this is your Christ. first experience at this place and this guy is yelling at you from across the room room that you're doing something wrong but you don't know what you're doing wrong like that is a great way to have that person never come back yeah, yeah that's weird <laughs> it's weird and it's common unfortunately but yeah. it's just like those are you know it's when people get all caught up kind of like we talked about at the beginning of like their version of things how they want them to do yep. they want them done and you have to be pliable and understand that people aren't there for the same reason you're there that guy's probably like a crossfit competitor right who loves that stuff whereas 95 percent of people in the gym do not give a shit yeah and it's just getting getting caught up through your own lens yeah guys we're at an hour so we got to wrap this up um we got to have you on again though because this is good stuff and i feel like we can keep going forever yeah Um, i want to talk more about tribes yeah (laughs) (laughs) so this is a new thing that we started where Chris Lynch was the first one, and he just bombed it miserably. Um, <laughs> he was I, still upset about it. I saw him yesterday. He's like, he's like, man, he's like, hey, I got to get a better answer. <laughs> I was like, too late. You already screwed it up. <laughs> it's already been posted. <laughs> I stole this from Gio on the Fourth Pole podcast when he had me on. I loved it. Um, so we're doing four rapid fire questions. All right. Um, not knowing ahead of time, we're keeping it pretty easy. But first and foremost, a lot of the stuff uh, also pulled from our member of the month stuff, but. First, if you could have a drink with anyone in history, who would it be, and what would you drink with them? Well, I know I'm going to drink some sort of whiskey, so probably Solid. just whiskey, uh, bourbon. I like bourbon, nice. not like a scotch or anything like that. And shit, man. <laughs> it's a tough one. That's really tough. I feel like I would kind of want to have like a drunk Michael Jordan. <laughs> but I want him to be drunk. Yeah, I, right. I don't think it's all too hard these days. Yeah, I think he is kind of drunk. I think drunk, he gets like, loose yeah. a little bit. I think it would be really fun, like, especially if like he was picking up the bill. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, okay, number two, what song do you sing along to that you would be embarrassed to admit? And I know that you'd probably be embarrassed to admit nothing, but let's just – I was going to say, the frame like, of that question. <laughs> by principle, I should be embarrassed, but I think, you know, maybe one of the best songs of all time is Britney Spears' Toxic. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make it on your guys' playlist? Uh, regularly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number three, a little bit of a boring question, but what's your absolute favorite exercise and why? You know, people would probably think I'm going to say Turkish Get Up, but I'm going to say the Bulgarian Split Squat. Okay. Because I think it's the best lower body exercise bar none just i don't care how you load it just do that you're gonna be a more of a badass i agree it is a good one and one that we need to do far more frequently here last but not least you have one movie and one music album to take on a desert island with you what are they uh movie (sighs) 
Gladiator or Zoolander. <laughs> One of those. It just depends on if you want to be like motivated to go out and do things or just in a great mood the whole time, I guess. Yeah, that's 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 the question. I think I think I have a better chance of getting off the island with Gladiator. Yeah. And music, man, it might be a Quemini outcast. Man, that is just a rock solid pull. <laughs> I just obviously had a lot of respect for you before, but you just you took the <laughs> I just straw jumped your way to the next tier of respect. That's a great pull. Excellent. I think we should send the link of the last three minutes to Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Let him study up yeah, a little man, bit. Yeah, man. He had all these great answers and insights from your business, and then just who do you want to have a beer with? It just deer in the headlights. I think he said he like said, said Obama. maybe Obama. Yeah. yeah God, like no, you know, no political statement right. aside. But come on, man. <laughs> um, all right, Clifton. Great stuff. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, we will genuinely have to try to get you on again to kind of dive further into a lot of the stuff because I think it's great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and any last thing that you want to kind of push or feel free to use it as a plug further for what you're doing with Fitwall, any parting words, this is definitely your time. Uh, no, thanks for having me on. I, I, I love, if you're a fitness professional, uh, even if you're not going to sign up, I love showing off what we're doing at Fitwall. So our first class is free. Come try a class out. We, uh, I love showing it off and, you know, we're looking for good coaches all the time because Great. we're getting busier so we need more coaches very cool awesome all right cool we'll see you guys next time and thank you for listening thanks guys